Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Britain is a Nation of. The podcast where we explore British behavior by unpacking statistics to understand the little differences and similarities between us all. I'm Stuart Henderson, Head of News at Yahoo UK. And I'm Matilda Long, Journalist at Yahoo UK. And I'm Victoria Valdezia, Data Journalist at YouGov. With the end of dry January approaching, we are discussing statistics around the theme of alcohol. From how we cure our hangovers to how badly the nation has been lying to the NHS about our weekly units. And we're joined by our special guest, Professor Ian Hamilton, a lecturer in mental health and addiction at the University of York. Welcome, Ian. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Hello. Thanks Hello. I'm going to start with a nice basic question that we should all know, and I'm oh, sure we dude. all do know. <laughs> How much they think we should be allowed to drink every week, as recommended by the NHS? Victoria. I have absolutely no idea. I've like four or five glasses of wine slash beer, depending on how many units each Big of wine or have. small wine? <laughs> Medium wine. Medium <laughs> wine, okay. That, that, I don't think that's a measurement. Not a bucket of wine. Um, Matilda, what do you think? I don't know the units i mm-hmm. think it's the equivalent of about a bottle and a half of wine a week but you're not allowed to have that all in one lot. go unfair um ian I, i'm i'm sure that you know well i've got good news for matilda you can mm. drink a bit more than that yeah. <laughs> so it's 14 units for men and women a week That's absolutely right in 2016 the government cuts the levels of alcohol it recommends for men and women to know more than 14 units a week which is six pints of average strength beer or seven glasses of wine. Really sounds like a lot. But I think it's um, what it feeds into is my interesting um, stat for today, which is that 42% of Brits think drinking some sort of alcohol is more healthy than not drinking at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Only 29% of young people said that drinking wine or any alcohol in moderation is healthier than not drinking at all. But for over 50s, that increases up to 48%. 48% of over 50s think it's actually more healthy to drink a little bit of alcohol. So I guess my first question for Ian is, who's right here? (laughs) Well, what's interesting about that is how successful the alcohol industry has been in propagating that information. So um, big thumbs up to them. You know, they've they've been very successful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, it, I think it's very difficult, isn't it? Because, we, you know, where do people get their information around alcohol? Mm. You know, I, I know where I get mine from my mates. You know, if I wasn't doing research, it would be from my mates. It would be from maybe reading something on Yahoo or in the paper or whatever. <laughs> um, so sometimes you don't know where you get these mm-hmm. bits of information from. And when you stop and sort of reflect a little bit and think, well, who told me that? Who yeah. told me it was okay to have a pint a day or whatever? Sometimes you can't mm. even locate it. So interesting age differences as well, though. Mm. But I guess the difficulty is the older you get and the longer you've been drinking, how receptive are you to messages around whether you should be checking your drinking or not Mm. as well, you know. So I think that's kind of difficult. Whereas if you're, you know, 16, 18 years old and fresh to all this, 
you might have a more open mind. But I think that the sort of you touched on it earlier in this kind of mine of information about how, where do we get our information from about what we drink and how much we drink is it's very interesting. And, and there's I, I find that in sort of in my sort of capacity as a, as, a, as a journalist, you can see what sort of content people want to read about alcohol in particular. And 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 there's so many headlines out there mm. that just muddy the waters. I mean, there's there's a couple here which. Um, I, of, of articles I know performed very well. Drinking three glasses of champagne a week could help prevent dementia and Alzheimer's <laughs> disease. Like, Yay! Great. That's what drinking. Seven, the seven surprising health benefits of drinking gin. I oh, mean, God. That, that included certain sort of things such as that juniper berries are super berries. There's some studies apparently that suggest that drinking alcohol is more important than exercise to living past 90. What? I'm not sure I believe oh my God. that. Uh, <laughs> the University of Illinois in Chicago found that being drunk makes you more creative actually when you delve into that it's not quite as straightforward as that <laughs> it's actually that men who drank themselves tipsy solved more problems demanding verbal resourcefulness in less time than sober men did that's not quite the same as being more creative for, <laughs> for the purposes of of shortening stuff and it's it's very difficult to navigate mm. Um, mm-hmm. a kind of conversation around alcohol without going I'll therefore believe what I want to believe. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that definitely the red wine, quote unquote, fact <laughs> has played its, it's, it's in my mm. head. As yeah, if you me ask too. me, I would say with zero background in science, <laughs> yeah, it's, that is better for you, isn't it? And I don't, if you ask me where I, where I got that, I don't remember. But I think I've probably just seen it enough times mm. and heard it enough times that confirmation bias has led me to believe it, or, mm-hmm. you know? But then the, all the other stuff that comes out about here's the new recommended number of units or here's a change or here's how much beer versus... I, I never believe any of that. But, but somehow the red wine one has stuck. It's interesting because we, um, if particularly in the UK, if you look at what's happened over the last 20, 30 years in terms of the type of alcohol we consume, mm. a red wine drinker in the 70s is very different um, or it's a much larger group in the noughties. Um, so it isn't just about the obviously it isn't just about the fact that people were drinking red wine it's what else they were doing yeah 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 absolutely. so you know we can't grow people in a lab and only give them red wine and see what happens <laughs> you know, so they one day much as we'd love to so what do you think the alcohol industry think about dry january which we're coming to the end of i think that's a massively increasing thing lots of people give it up just for a month what are your thoughts on dry january well wow, you know on the tube on the way here this morning I, was it Jack Daniels or someone, a poster saying we've been dry since 1905? I saw what? this advert. Yeah. Did you see it? I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't seem terribly healthy. I also don't, I, I genuinely get annoyed by the fact it's, that it's just, you know, beautifully convenient that we do it in January after everyone's got absolutely tanked up over December. It, it just, <laughs> you think December would be better? Doing December. Dry December. Yeah. Yeah. We want to go yeah. for it doing December. Yeah. 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 Christmas, serious about no, it. He's a, he's a cruel man. Um, how do you feel about it, Ian? I, I think it's interesting. I think we still don't really understand the way people benefit or approach it. So, I mean, it's really shocking. Mm. Four to five million people do this, and we have very little understanding of how they approach it, how they benefit, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, we're well, talking... How many cheap as well, I'd be curious. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. But, you know, we were talking earlier about units, and that, that seems on the surface of it a really simple concept. And yet we know mm-hmm. people get that really, like we do, we get it a bit muddled. I do. Um, I, my gut feeling is I think it's for middle-class people who probably don't have a lot of a problem with alcohol and they find it pretty easy. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's my gut feeling, but I have nothing to prove that. But I just suspect 
Um, it draws in people who are quite health literate, um, who relax in other ways, um, and don't really find it much of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, I think actually the alcohol industry kind of they they, they won't like it. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I, I think if the industry had a choice, <laughs> they would scrap dry January tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think the one glimmer of light for them is it distracts us away from that four percent. Those. Mm-hmm their core loyal customers mm-hmm. who are buying a third of their product. If we started going for them, mm. so if that's my only concern is dry January distracts us away from people who really need help, really need support. Um, and because it's endorsed by Public mm-hmm. Health England, it's a formal way of saying, oh, we're doing something on alcohol. Yeah, I didn't know it was true. endorsed by Public Health England. It is, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. who started it? Where does it come it from? Was, uh, well, they've gone through a number of iterations, but Alcohol right. Change um, started it mm-hmm. um, about seven years ago. Right. Um, and it's sort of just gathered momentum right. um, from then. There seems to be something quite attractive, um, building on what you were saying, Stuart, about us testing ourselves and challenging ourselves. And I, I think that's great. But I think you know having the capacity to do that means certain things have got to be in place. Mm. Um, and the obvious thing is you're not physically or psychologically psychologically dependent on alcohol and on this question of education so going back to where we started on 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 42 percent did you say it was of brit saying it's better to drink some than none where do you think so given that there i think are always going to be stories like this in the press six surprising benefits of gin (laughs) i'm trying to think back at least in my education though i didn't go to school here in the uk but i don't remember actually learning anything about alcohol at school do you learn anything about alcohol at school i remember having uh pshe lessons about I think that was more about the risks of binge drinking. So it would be some kind of video of some teenager who drank a bottle of vodka and fell off a bridge or something. Like, don't do that. But I definitely don't remember being taught about um, kind of safe and healthy Oh, you had a drink by then, Matilda? I don't mean in the session. I mean... Uh, Uh, I think I probably had. I can't remember how old I was, no. but I probably about sixteen, and I think I had had a drink before yeah, then. That'd be really surprising. Fact, I know if you I hadn't. had. Yeah. <laughs> so that's part of the problem, isn't it? Sometimes mm. the education, and also, what do we mean by education? You know, um, it, the parallel for me is in drugs education. Mm-hmm. Is we know that actually doesn't work and actually makes things worse in, in uh, pupils. Really. So it introduces pupils to drugs and effects they hadn't thought about and makes them quite curious. Really. Um, and even you know wheeling in the ex addicted as it were mm-hmm. and telling them you know scary sort of stuff we know has very little effect. Mm. Um, so I suspect probably the same is true of alcohol. But the biggest problem with alcohol is most people have tried it before you get to the session. True. Yeah. So they know whether the teacher or whoever's been given that joyous task mm-hmm. is giving a balanced view because the thing is alcohol gives a lot of people pleasure. Mm. It isn't all doom and gloom, is it? You know we've we've all enjoyed a drink. Helps us socialise, helps us relax. You know, it does a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. So how would you approach it if not in the way that we're currently doing it? The education thing? Yeah. I think with alcohol and with, you know, it's not alcohol and other drugs Mm because alcohol is a drug. So all drugs. (laughs) Yes. um, I I would prefer to see something balanced. Um, So to say, look, you know, if you use ecstasy, this is what will happen. Uh, mm-hmm. This is why people use ecstasy. You find music far better without endorsing it and selling it. Um, <laughs> but also the same with alcohol, you know, saying there are good things about it and there are things that can go wrong. Mm. And I think 16-year-olds are, you know, old enough and able enough in the main mm. to respond to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure 12-year-olds are. I think 
you know, you you would tailor it to the age group, would be my preference, yeah. and that's where the evidence seems to sit. Um, but what what we certainly don't want is getting kids curious about certain drugs that mm-hmm. they weren't curious about before. That just seems to me like it's balmy. So returning to the question of whether we have ever lied about how much we drink, Dear. that is actually the survey that I had been looking at. So how many Brits admit to having lied about how much they drink to someone in their lives, either on a regular basis or a one-off? Mm-hmm. Um, and of those, who did they lie to? Okay. Should we have a little confession round before we begin? <laughs> <laughs> I've lied to the GP. Yeah, well, mm. I've... Okay. I remember uh, starting at university and registering with a doctor's surgery there and you had to fill in a form saying how many units you drink. This is when I was a student uh, and I I totally lied because I'd also been told by friends that if, you, um, if you're honest and you say you drink more than the recommended amount, which we all were doing as students, you got a letter through the post saying oh. that you had problem drinking. Oh my God. I didn't want the letter, so yeah. I fibbed on the form. That sounds like the same thing to do. Um, or I think I've it'd be easier for me to answer it the other way around and think about who I haven't lied to about how much (laughs) I've drunk drunk rather but yeah I know my parents um, like you Matilda Mm -hmm. um, various health people um, my wife (laughs) myself um, yeah yeah, the list goes on and on it's a big one (laughs) yeah I'm very similar to Ian I think the the, weirdly I think the one person I probably haven't lied to is the GP I, I really don't care what the GP thinks about my alcohol intake, and I mm. and I can see like this. I, what I mean, I, I see him or her incredibly infrequently. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel you know. I'm, I'm don't really care what they think of me, to be honest. So Not you didn't get the letter, did you? I didn't get any letter, <laughs> so, you know. But whereas those that kind of, I guess we're going to get onto, I guess shame and embarrassment, etc. I, you know, far far more concerned about what people who I love and who love me think about mm. me and mm-hmm. and therefore I and of course it's not proper lying it's only ever so slightly massaging the truth <laughs> uh, protect, I had one to, or two to protect all parties <laughs> uh, uh, some verbal linguistics absolutely uh, but yeah I mean obviously I yeah, I've it's also lied to Stuart about drinking by pretending to not be hungover at work. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you well. <have> what? <laughs> <laughs> the line manager is actually the least frequent one. Oh, to have well, lied to, so very special. Uh, I, I don't think I've lied often. I do think that I, I probably, if I try and assess to myself how much I drink, I think you're right, Ian, in that I probably think it's less than it is and I guess that it's very easy to say that if you go out and have a big night that it's an exception mm. but then if you force yourself to count how many of those you have maybe it's not so exceptional that's the um, point so in this survey we said have you ever lied about your drinking habits and if so to whom I have to say I was surprised at how low the figure was mm. one a quarter of Britain so 27% slightly above one in four say that they have told someone that they drink less alcohol than they actually do or did which leaves six in ten 58 who say they've never done that before well all i know is we we all lie we collectively lie about how much we drink and the reason i know that is someone did a really neat bit of research mm-hmm. um two or three years ago where they compared the amount of alcohol sold by the industry 
compared to what people were saying they were drinking, and there was a huge discrepancy. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. I think it was 60%. What? So yeah. 60%? Yeah. As in, like, so if, if we really only sold as much alcohol as we say we drink, right. that means there's 40% left over yeah. of all alcohol that's People have got sold. very well-packed alcohol cupboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Storing for the apocalypse. Mm. So, I mean, in some ways, I don't think many of us would really be shocked by that because... Um, it's not everyone else out there, it's us. Yeah. We, we're the ones. So when you know I go and see my GP or the practice nurse, I underplay a load of things. You know, When they start asking me about smoking, drinking, mm-hmm. drugs, whatever, um, I tell them what I think they want to hear and what I'm willing to reveal. I don't know if you'd admit to that, you three, mm. but... I'm, Never. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is interesting because when you then go to who have you lied to, young people, so among 18 to 24-year-olds, 60% say that they've lied to their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and among over 55s, it's like considerably less than that, which just, <laughs> just doesn't make any sense. You know, mm-hmm. so I think they, it was just probably more recent. Um, so why? I wonder why people lie. Yeah, you, yeah you, you were saying something about, or you just briefly mentioned stigma, was it? Or shame yeah. or something, pride? Is it, I don't know if it's to do with the fact that you don't want to perceive yourself, you want people to think you don't care about yourself. Is it to do because you think people don't think you've got any self-control? I was just thinking self-control, that was the exact word that's in my head. Yeah, mm. it might be that. But I, I often do it because I don't want, like the following day, I don't want people to mm. think that I've prioritised my own selfish desire to have a drink mm. over and above the impact the impact affecting the, mm. my day that I'm going to have with other people. Like, yeah. I'm not going to lie if, if if we're doing nothing the next day and, you know, mm. and we were all at a New Year's party and, and, and then almost it becomes like a badge of honour. Whereas mm. if I've got a really busy Sunday then and, and I'm seeing other people or other people who rely on me to do something, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to lie then because I don't want people to think You're that I don't care about yeah. them. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting. When I had chats this month, you know, with colleagues about dry January, you know, they know I do a little bit about it. So mm-hmm. they'll say, oh, you know, I'm doing dry January. Not that I had a problem. Yeah. Oh, yes. okay. And I think, yeah. wow, that's weird. And it almost has the opposite effect. I think, oh, that gets my alarm bells ringing. Yeah. Why are you being so defensive? Because I didn't even ask you about that. Yeah. In fact, I didn't ask you about anything. Mm. Um, but it's always with this kind of waver of, you yeah. know, I'm in control mm. again. You know, it's, it's so got that So the thing that I find it. interesting about that as well is that immediately as we've been discussing this, the assumption is that we're lying and saying we drank less than we did. Mm. Yeah, true. But I wouldn't necessarily assume that that's the case. Sadly, the question didn't specify, but mm-hmm. of the people who said that they had lied, a third said they've lied to their colleagues and just over a third have lied to their friends. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, yeah, maybe, as you said, Matilda, there'll be cases where you tell your friend, no, oh, no, I really didn't have that much, I'm fine. Mm. But I think there are probably also cases where you say you've had more because yeah, you don't sure. want to drink more and other people are pressuring you yeah you'd be like oh I'm God, so I, wasted yeah. because you've actually only had two but everyone else has had six and you mm. don't want to have six and mm. they're going buy another one and you want to be like no no I'm fine mm-hmm. and you can't just say no no I'm fine so mm. you have to be like oh no mate I'm already is that a masculine <laughs> thing do you think is it a boy thing where you know I, I can have my ten pints I can have my yeah I don't know ten pint challenge yeah, yeah, those yeah, you know I can <laughs> hold it I, I listen to my 16 year old son you know mm. and I like to think he's reasonably informed, but you know he'll come out with phrases like you know mm-hmm. um, I can hold it or yeah, you exactly. know that's. I, I think where it. have you got that from? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely, the manliness of being yeah. able to have Yeah, and teasing others about the fact they can't hold their alcohol or. And the interesting mm. thing about that is also the short-termness of. 
because just because you take longer to get drunk doesn't mean it's not damaging your body. No, for mm. sure. And I think it's really easy to assume that if you can have four, five, six and still be all right, mm. your body's not actually taking any of those effects, you know, when it probably is. I mean, I think to go back to something Stuart was saying earlier, the, the only separation I really see between alcohol and other drugs is the insipid, slow nature of the way it catches up with you. Right. So in terms of dependency, it's not like Coke, where once you've done a few lines, you could get addicted. Mm. Mm. Alcohol is much slower than that. And that, for me, makes it a really crafty, nasty little drug. Mm-hmm. Um, because by the time you get to 50, you know, you there's a good chance if you drink enough, you will be dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, that's very different to stimulant drugs, yeah. which can get hold of you pretty quickly. The The kind of line about it, where does that sort of come in to signify that someone has a problem and what and what other factors would you be on the lookout wow. for saying you know what's that old joke denial isn't just you know a river in africa it's um <laughs> boom boom it's um <laughs> it is a first rank kind of symptom in the jargon you know mm. so to to be minimizing or to be denying completely that you have a problem um and you know it's it's like alcoholics mm. anonymous the, the first rule is to admit that you um, have to give yourself over to a higher power. You're mm-hmm. not in control. So again, the word control is is mm. quite key. And maybe that's where dry January has got some use, is seeing what happens, because the, the acid test of whether you're dependent on something psychologically, mentally or physically, is what happens when you withdraw it. So what would happen if, some, you know, if someone who was genuinely dependent, if they tried something like dry January, is that the way to approach it definitely it. shouldn't i mean yeah you know for, okay. for people for that four percent who are drinking more than a third of mm. alcohol available it, it potentially could kill them oh my <clears> gosh okay so um you know it's quite rare to be honest but you know if, if you are quite dependent it's going to feel really uncomfortable mm. so you, you're going to know within the first mm-hmm. 24 48 mm-hmm. hours whether you psychologically and physically have got a problem it'll happen very quickly mm. I wonder to what extent, because again, among the question of uh, who you lie to the most, the GP is by far the most prevalent response there. (laughs) So 60% of those who have lied Mm. before about their drinking habits have lied to their GP. One in six of those have lied more than five times. And older demographics are more likely to say that they've lied to Mm. their GP. So Stuart, you were saying you don't worry about your GP because you don't care about what they think of you, which actually is probably exactly what they want because they want you to just be honest with them. Mm. That's a person that you're interacting with just because purely for the sake of your health that person is there to help you monitor your health Mm. so the gp should be the one person that that we are very happy to say it to but i wonder whether it is just that kind of fear of consequence right are we not trusting Mm. that the gp will react in the right way are we not are we scared that they will come and they will come back and say you must drink less and the next time you go see them they'll say how Mm. much do you drink now is it that kind of fear of consequence it's been what is no i think it's just like you don't want to hear the truth right if you tell someone what the truth is, you don't want to hear actually how bad it is mm. to you. Mm. You need then to stop doing the thing yourself. you like doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have to deal with that. That sounds far too, mm. like, no fun. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, we've talked a lot about drinking so far. (laughs) I would like to bring us on to the consequences of drinking. And I'm going to ask around the room, what do you do to get over a hangover? Ian. (laughs) Have a line of coke. No. Um, <laughs> I think there's all sorts of things you can do. So um, you, you could, I, I think the main top tips I would have is make sure you drink plenty of water mm-hmm. and have something to eat. And just if mentally, if you don't have to do anything, just, you know, watch a bit of telly, cuddle up on the sofa. Nice. Sounds Look fun. after yourself. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have any tips and tricks, Stu? Um, I, I don't know. I feel I'm a bit weird about this. I don't do anything. Mm. Um, and I, I don't really like to take sort of painkillers and stuff like that anyway because I like to I don't like to mask the, the symptoms That's because the no not you really so you've got a headache you don't take a painkiller often no um I, I I will the one thing I've learned to recently mm. is for like chest pains and stuff because it actually can help because if you don't then you can it can help it. with other kinds it of pains too but, but, <laughs> but I don't really want to, I, I kind of quite like feeling I don't like feeling the pain but I like to know how my body is I know what you mean, actually yeah. Oh, sort God, of behaving. I'm, I think I'm the opposite. Um, so I know how to regulate my behaviour to accommodate that. Mm. The one thing I do do, like I will sort of like a madman in the morning, I really need like a, a slurp of ice cold milk. Oh, wow. <laughs> milk? Yeah, genuinely. I just oh my God, the, I'm horrified. Genuinely. Milk? Yeah. A slurp of ice cold milk. It literally has to be like really cold as well. Like if I pour a glass of milk and then it's just like put around on the side for a bit, that's not good enough. It has to be like... <laughs> and that makes you feel better. Yeah, it makes you feel much better. Wow, okay. Oh. So I, I, in my, okay, I tell myself it's like the calcium and the alkaline. if it works. Huh? Yeah. If it works. I mean, you know, it, obviously, knock it. obviously yeah, it doesn't yeah. work, but... Um, <laughs> so half a glass of cold milk. Uh, that's okay, great. Victoria, what's your secret? <laughs> Not that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, lots of water before I go to sleep is mm-hmm. the key rather than when you wake up. Um, boring <laughs> sorry uh i i actually think I, i'm a lot like used to i i really don't like taking anything that i feel masks what's going on in my body like i, I agree yeah. with you on that um that said i have taken the occasional aspirin if, if my head really hurts hmm. i think actually just getting outside is nice what makes oh, a good me idea. feel better force yeah. myself out because mm-hmm. i think if i do lie in bed and watch something i will just you stew stew in my <laughs> yeah, hangover while if i force myself to get up and go out and do some shopping or something just mm. the fresh air makes your body you isn't know, it interesting recover. how normal all this is you know if this was anything else that was having that effect on you mm. would you do it to yourself do you know what yeah I mean? it's um yeah, yeah, yeah. when you think of some of the worst hangovers you've had you know you you, you don't Quite, need very debilitating science to tell you this is a poison you know mm. your, your body treats alcohol like a poison so it, it prioritizes it over <laughs> everything else i would also say actually in that mix that uh the lack of sleep is actually in there yeah. as well actually. oh definitely people know a lot of sleep is good for you mm. people still consistently don't sleep enough and it just yeah, yeah. and i'm really bad for it and it yeah. I boggle myself <laughs> my lack of ability to, sh- to get to bed earlier. And the other myth is mm. that alcohol helps you sleep. And it, it, what alcohol I'm actually the does... I'm Oh, really? Does yeah, it keep I you... Yeah, I can't sleep if I've had too much to drink. Oh, you're weird. Awake. Mm-hmm. You're, you're an outlier. <laughs> um, 
But for most people, it, all it does is help you become unconscious. It does nothing for good quality <laughs> sleep. So, um, <laughs> oblivion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, one of the interesting statistics that I found, so the question was, ask Brits what they do to get over a hangover. And 7% of Brits say they drink more alcohol mm. to get over their hangover. The classic hair of the dog. That's absurd. Uh, well, the, so the most popular hangover cure amongst Brits was drinking water. 75% of people do this, which is followed by taking painkillers, eating carbs, uh, having a fry up, drinking coffee and drinking sports drinks, which is another thing that I do do. I will often have a Lucozade mm. if I'm feeling hungover. Still or sparkling? Lucozade sport are still one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is, is coffee actually good for getting over a hangover? Because I do mm. that, but it actually doesn't make sense because it dehydrates you, doesn't it? That's true. Yeah, but if but you're feeling tired. It's a stimulant, tired. isn't mm. it? Yeah. So it'll counter that kind of, you know, that lethargic, washed out <laughs> type of feeling, I suppose, temporarily, yeah. won't it? You know, it can yeah. be a bit of a so kick. Water and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so you can feel stimulated in the toilet while you have a wee. You know, so. <laughs> And with the hangover cures, there weren't any massive splits by age or gender apart from sports drinks. So 23% of 18 to 25-year-olds drink sports drinks to beat a hangover compared to 0% of over 65s. So this is a kind of recent thing. Presumably because they don't drink sports drinks anyway. Mm. Of course. Um, And over 65s are also by far the most likely to say they don't bother with hangover cures at all. 19% of people said this, which is interesting. Um, so I looked into Staunchly you know, refusing to drink water. <laughs> yeah. I will not cure this. I will, I will suffer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I looked into whether there's any kind of official guidance on hangover cures. And there sort of is. There's sort of some government sanctioned advice. Uh, there's a page on the NHS website dedicated to hangover cures. Unfortunately, we might not like what we hear. It says hangover cures are generally a myth. Mm-hmm. There are no cures for hangovers. Thanks. Uh, but it basically says all you can do is avoid one by not getting drunk. Um, it has particular. I mean, that's just stupid. Yeah. Who's going to be on that website mm. if they yeah, haven't yeah, just got exactly? Drunk. Like it's too late. I'm about to go out. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just check ahead of time. Although it does have particular advice to not drink on an empty stomach, and I think quite often people go straight from work to go to go to the pub on a Friday, and generally won't have eaten. I find if I have a glass of wine. At that time, I feel so drunk compared to yeah. uh, just a normal, a normal evening. As well, right? Yeah, you You're probably drink tired. quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. Have one of the bucket-sized glasses of wine you get in the pub these days. <laughs> I love how the uh, conversation has um, shifted. At the very start, we talked about like the actual facts and figures around how much alcohol you're allowed to drink. Mm. And then we talked about actually how and, and the age difference. And then and we talked about that, that perhaps actually our, our lived experience becomes more important. And now we're talking mm. complete and anecdotal. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the frame of what we're talking yeah, about. It's because we've just been told any cure is a myth. So all yeah. we have <laughs> is our um, lived experience. I was going to ask like what people think. We've talked about like, the physical impacts of hangovers and how mm. to the physical impact of hangovers. I, how do people feel about like the mental anguish of a, of a, of a hangover? We've talked about this Awful. before. Sort of, like the, mm. the beer fear and Booze, the guilt. Booze, the, the anxiety. I, which do we think <laughs> is, a, which is worse? Got some buzz, buzz words. Like, which is, Wait, which so is, do you mean here just that like kind of a drop in your mood? Yeah, well, which yeah. Is, yeah, just the fact that it does, it can affect you mentally. Like, it, mm. it can I definitely find that ha- the anxiety. I get it. Mm. I feel awful. I, yeah, I just find I worry about things. I definitely feel more anxious. I'll really pick over something that I've done and be like, oh my God, all my friends hate me. Mm. And I, I like really tie myself up in knots if I'm hungover. 
but it's weird to talk about a hangover cure for those sort of physical consequences of, of drinking, but mm. we never talk about like yeah, yeah. cures <laughs> for the mental cures for ha- sort of, mm. the, the, of anxiety and stuff. Whereas, of course, it's don't drink as much, but, <laughs> but we don't drink or talk about that at all. It's interesting. Mm. But I guess I think that also plays so much into the question of why you feel that being drunk is more fun. Like mm. why you feel more confident in a social setting when you're drunk or some people do anyway, mm. like more outgoing, more chatty, more mm-hmm. whatever. And if they're in an environment where everyone else is drinking and they're not, they feel more self-conscious, mm. right? You know, it's really important that we don't become too Puritan about mm. this. You know, it is fine. So like you say, go out, have a drink, mm. have fun with your friends. But I just feel it's so important to make sure that you still feel able to go out for a night and like mm. dance without having to be drunk mm, yeah. so from our discussion what do we think that britain is a nation of this week i'd say fibbers <laughs> i think so it sounds that way we're misinformed liars unfortunately yeah <laughs> willfully misinformed i think i think mm-hmm. that's i mean we're lying to ourselves as well as lying to each Dying to other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're quite happy. We're happy drunk. We're happy drunks living in oblivion. <laughs> happy lying drunks. Happy, <laughs> oblivious drunks. Willfully ignorant, oblivious drunks. <laughs> That's quite extreme. Slightly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Britain is a nation of willfully ignorant drunks. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for making it all the way to the end of Britain is a nation of. How can they get in touch, Matilda? You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo News UK. Or you can find us on Facebook under Yahoo UK and Ireland or email us on Yahoo News UK at oath.com. And join us again for another deep dive into very British behaviours. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.